And those of you that are watching online, we welcome you as well. So God bless everyone. Tonight I'm going to talk about the Sabbath as a gift from God. But before we start, let's pray. Father, I ask that you will help your servant to communicate your truth. Father, help me to do it with clarity, with fresh eyes, and most of all, with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You've no doubt heard the expression, the hurrier I go, the behinder I get. There's no concrete evidence of where this expression may have begun, but one thing is for certain, we all know the feeling. Using John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry as a Guide, we're taking eight weeks to discuss four things that will help eliminate hurry and slow us down to be the people God called us to be. Jonathan Steele in his little book, Delight in the Sabbath, writes something that I believe is so true. There has been a great ruse played on the body of the Messiah worldwide. This deceit has kept us from enjoying one of God's most precious gifts to the church. That is a day when people can stop running and walk, where we can stop looking over our shoulder and fix our eyes on our creator, or families can stop competing and start slowing and appreciating each other for who they are. Then he says, slow me down, God. The first two weeks of our Eliminate Hurry series, we focused on silence and solitude as one discipline. Two weeks ago, Esther McMichael noted, the more time we spend with God, the more we become like him. Silence allows a connection to God beyond what words can express. Regarding solitude, a week ago, Parker Galloway quoted John Comer. Solitude does not mean isolation. Solitude is engagement. It is safety. Solitude is how you open yourself up to God. Today in the next, and next week, we're going to talk about Sabbath. To me, keeping the Sabbath is the culminating expression of all the disciplines we're going to talk about to eliminate hurry. The Sabbath is a time dedicated to God for silence and solitude. It's a time we live more simply and we slow our pace. Sabbath is a time to ponder our creator and the other people with whom we're in meaningful relationship. It's a time to meditate on our heavenly father who gave his son Jesus to be our savior and he's the one who perfectly reflects the father's love. Shabbat literally means to stop. Now there's two words I'm going to use interchangeably. Interchangeably, Shabbat and Sabbath, okay? Shabbat literally means to stop. John Comer puts it this way, the Sabbath is simply a day to stop. Stop working, stop wanting, stop worrying. Just stop, he said. Not only do we live in a world of hurry, but we live in a world of gross confusion and uncertainty. God commanded we honor the Sabbath day. By separating it from the other six days of the week, we lay aside all work, all worry, all necessary involvements. Instead, we intentionally rest, we intentionally reflect, worship, enjoy, recreate, celebrate God's goodness, and renew ourselves in the presence and the peace of God. 
we're familiar with the fourth commandments God given to Moses. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Yet, because of our habit to hurry and be productive, resting is one of the hardest commandments for us to keep. Without hesitation, we will not steal, we do not murder, we don't commit adultery, and we don't make images of false gods. But as Christians, we kind of fudge on keeping a Sabbath. We go to church, but few of us see Sunday, really see it, as the Lord's Day. The prevailing attitude is, and I've had this said more than once to me as a pastor, I work for five days a week, sometimes six days. The weekend is mine. Thus, being in God's house with God's people becomes secondary. We have fallen prey to sports activities, travel, vacationing, and so many other things. Even worse, to think of dedicating a 24-hour period of time to rest, just to rest because God desires it, seems incredulous. It is definitely counterculture, at least in our society. Dan Allender, a Christian therapist, writes in his book, Sabbath, Sabbath is the holy times when we feast, I'm going to read it as he put it, when we feast, play, dance, have sex, that's if you're married, <laughs> sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, and watch creation in its fullness. So today... I'm going to spend the next few minutes challenging you to take a weekly 24-hour Sabbath and make it holy. Your Sabbath may not be Saturday evening and Sunday, especially if you have major responsibility on Sunday. As a pastor, I couldn't take Sunday, Saturday night and Sunday as a Sabbath. So I'm going to answer three questions. What is the Sabbath? Why keep Sabbath? And how do we begin a personal Sabbath? So what is a Sabbath? Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word, as I said, Shabbat, which literally means rest or cease from work. The Sabbath is a day of silence and solitude. It's a day of simplicity and a natural slowing of pace. You have determined that for 24 hours, you will live simply, quiet yourself before God, and slow the way you live as an act of holiness to honor the creator. The Sabbath is a day of remembering, specifically recalling how God has demonstrated his goodness and faithfulness in your life. Mark Buchanan says in his book, The Rest of God, true remembering gets us unstuck. The Sabbath is a holy day. The scripture says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It does not say, remember to rest, although rest is an important part of making the day holy. A Sabbath day is, a dis is distinct from the other six days of the week, and not just because you don't have to go to work or go to church. Mark, and I'm going to quote, quote Mark Buchanan again from his book, The Rest of God, restoring uh, your soul by restoring the Sabbath. 
One thing is indispensable to free Sabbath keeping from the demands of the other days of the week. Cease from that which is necessary. Stop doing what you ought to do. Sabbath is that one day that is a reprieve from what we ought to do, even though the list of oughts is infinitely long and never accomplished. Think about this. It is the one day when the one thing you must do is not do the things you must. Think about it. The thing you must do is not do the things that you feel you really have to get done. I know it's uncomfortable talking about this. <laughs> For me personally, the Sabbath is becoming a period of peace and quiet, a shutting off of electronic media, a shutting out of clamor, confusion, contention, and conflict. This day is intended to honor God and renew us. Spiritually, we worship. Emotionally, we cease worry and we play instead. Physically, we rest. Relationally, we interact and affirm others. No arguing, no bickering, only words of blessing and affirmation. For married couples, it's an awesome time set aside. We can set aside for intimacy. In a declaration that literally precedes the Mosaic law, God's word says this in Genesis chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. So, uh, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. That means he ceased labor and exertion and put an end to his creation. And God blessed the seventh day, declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. The more literal word-for-word -word translations of this scripture say God sanctified the seventh day. Long before the tabernacle was sanctified or set apart as holy, long before the temple that David built was sanctified, and millenniums before our church buildings were sanctified and dedicated for worship, God himself set apart and hallowed a day. He sanctified time. Because God set the seventh day apart, my question is, is it too much for us to set aside 24 hours to do what God did? Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Okay, that's what the Sabbath, well, let me just share this. Let me take you back about 65, 70 years. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I know something like this. Yeah. When I was a, a child, of course, my parents both had had life-transforming experiences with God. Their lives were totally and completely changed, almost in, really, my dad in an instant. Sunday was a holy day. We called it the Lord's Day. It was a day when little or no work was done. Mom cooked dinner on, and cleaned the house on Saturday. On Sunday afternoon, we would usually go to visit former neighbors who led my parents to the Lord. The adults would spend time talking and enjoying each other's company. 
As kids, we would laugh and play together. Our parents were not too fond, however, of us playing sports because that wasn't a Sabbath thing to do. So we'd go outside and hope they weren't looking out the window. We would sometimes build or, uh, visit an elderly man who lived at the end of the block. Now, he was a little bit, he lived in a little shack and by a cemetery, so we weren't too sure about going to his house, but we, we hoped he enjoyed our coming. Other times, we would walk in the woods along a creek, go exploring, because this was the Lord's Day. Now, this was the time in the United States of America when blue laws were in effect. How many remember blue laws? you don't. Okay. A lot of you do. That meant all businesses were closed. Entertainment and commercial activities stopped. Even grocery stores were closed, much like currently happens on Christmas Day every Sunday. Christians called it the Lord's Day. It was separate from the rest of the week. But the object today is not to go back to the past. Rather, we want to be obedient to God's word and do the things that honors him. And really, it's helpful to us. Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11, this is where God gives this commandment to Moses. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is, a, is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is in with, within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. He said it was part as holy. Matter of fact, we had a Seventh-day Adventist church that rented our building for like 13 years. Every Saturday... You'd hear them quote that scripture. <laughs> the question is, have we clearly and intentionally delineated for ourselves what it means to keep the Sabbath day holy? Intentionally delineated what it means for us to keep the Sabbath day holy. According to Genesis 2, 1 through 3, the first thing God sanctified was a day. He set apart 24 hours of time to rest. Now, was God exhausted? I think not. But what it means, he ceased his work of creation. He did it in six days and said, now I'm going to give you one more day. I rested, and I expect you to rest. Now, setting apart that day, that time, was in contrast to pagan religions that dedicated places and idols. God sanctified time. Time is holy. It's the gift God gives. For six days, think of this. For six days, God approves productivity. But on the seventh day, he desires we rest. No productivity. Not you, not your son, not your daughter, not your cattle, not your foreigner, your slaves, nobody. To keep the Sabbath day holy, we must be intentional and purposeful. Nearly 35 years ago, Stephen Coveney wrote a number one best national bestseller called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Many of you have probably read it. In his chapter, uh, 
describing the seventh, the seventh habit, sharpening your saw, Covey relates the story of a man chopping down a tree. This man had been working at it for hours. Someone comes along and encourages him to stop, rest, and sharpen his saw. But the man replied, I don't have time to sharpen my saw. I'm too busy sawing. You and I are not chopping down trees. But how many times have we heard it said or have said it ourselves? I don't have time to stop. I'm too busy. I have too much to do. Getting a little bit too quiet in here. <laughs> Listen, I've, we've, been, we've been working on this about, well, I'll say something in a minute. So in giving us the seventh day of rest, God has built a day in time to better your life. Someone called the Sabbath a sanctuary in time. You come here, you're coming here twice a week, okay? And in this place, we call it a sanctuary. We rest. We find the peace of God. God has given us a day to do that. Bill, uh, Bill Hybels tells the story of someone from his church who was chauffeuring him one day to the airport. He asked the driver, how many miles do you expect to get out of this vehicle? And the guy responded by saying, 400,000 miles. Well, a little bit shocked, Bill asked him, how are you going to do that? And the man answered with one word, maintenance, maintenance. God knew and ordained that we take one day out of seven for spiritual, physical, emotional, and relational maintenance. We're to be good stewards. We're to be good caretakers of this day that God separated from the other six days of the working week. So that's what the Sabbath is. Now, why keep a Sabbath? Now, there are many reasons. I'm just going to quickly uh, refer to three. First of all, a seven-day week is rooted in the supernatural. It's rooted in God's creation of the world. Now, think about this. A day corresponds to the rotation of the earth around on its axis, okay? The month corresponds to the cycle of moon phases. The year corresponds to the earth's rotation around the sun. A week, however, is completely disassociated from celestial movement. It is an unnatural and arbitrary measurement of time. Therefore, by observing Shabbat every seven days as God ordained, we're affirming the existence of God who is above nature, who created nature. Shabbat is a weekly public announcement that God created the world. Dennis Prager, in his commentary on Exodus, said, There is no other ritual or ethical law in the Bible whose purpose to is, is to affirm God as the creator of the world. That's the first reason. The second reason we keep Shabbat is that it tells the people around you that you are committed to something and someone greater than yourself. You're honoring God by obedience and keeping a holy Sabbath. You are cherishing a gift that he has given. And the third reason for keeping the Sabbath is 
It's a very practical reason. A person ceases work and gives his or her body genuine rest. One reason most people are not with family and friends more often is work. On Shabbat, you will spend more time with family. Your kids will be genuinely excited about it. Your spouse is going to relish it. And I like what Dennis Prager said. Now he, I didn't realize he's, he's, he's Jewish. Wrote, if you want some great commentaries on Genesis, Exodus, and Deuteronomy, Dennis Prager. He said this, even in the 21st century for the Jews who have kept Shabbat for over three millennium, Shabbat is meant, has meant family day more than anything else. So that's why we keep Shabbat. Now, let me give, let me give you some, reasons, some promises for keeping Shabbat. Isaiah 56, beginning at verse 2. Ah, you, you did a great job, Bon. Thank you. <laughs> Blessed are those who honor my Sabbath days of rest and keep themselves from doing wrong. Don't let foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord say, the Lord will never let me be part of his people. And don't let the eunuch say, I am a dried up tree with no children and no future. For this is what the Lord says. I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy and who choose to do what pleases me and commit their lives to me. I will give them within the walls of my house. All right. I will give them a memorial and a name far greater than sons and daughters could give. For the name I give them is an everlasting one. It will never disappear. I will also bless the foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord, who serve him and love his name, who worship him and do not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest, who hold fast to my covenant. I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and will fill them with joy in my house of prayer, I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices because my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Keeping the Sabbath was a significant way for eunuchs and foreigners to be a part of Israel. Now, I love that part where it's, the prophet tells, Isaiah says, that the castrated eunuchs will be given a memorial and a name far greater than sons or daughters could give them. That's awesome. And to the foreigners who the Jews considered inferior, God said, I will bring you into my holy mountain and fill you with joy in my house of prayer. God promised exceptional blessing to those who would keep themselves from evil and keep his Sabbath days. Isaiah 58, verse 13 and 14. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day. In everything you do on that day, honor the Lord. And don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is the promise. 
The Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance that I promised. Wow. That's the promise, the blessing. So, in closing, let me offer a few practical suggestions for keeping the Sabbath. When Roberta and I first realized that we'd be talking about a Sabbath, we said to each other, maybe we should start honoring and practicing the Sabbath ourselves. Always a good idea. So about five weeks ago, we gave the practice of Sabbath a start. We're by no means experts, believe me. We're struggling, but at least we're heading in the right direction. We chose sundown Saturday through sundown Sunday as our time to celebrate Sabbath. The TV is turned off. Yes. That means no football until after 6 p.m. on Sunday. During playoff season, that is, I know, you think I'm nuts. Ah, y'all wouldn't admit. Okay. Electronic uh, devices are avoided. No shopping is done during this time. Haven't been in Walmart between 6 p.m. Saturday and 6 p.m. Sunday for about five weeks now. <laughs> so far, I have found Saturday evenings especially meaningful. At 6 p.m., we begin by lighting a Sabbath candle. I started to bring some, but I didn't want to bring in the cable and all that stuff. But we have a little Sabbath candle that we light. When we light it, one of us says, Blessed are you, Yahweh Elohim, King of the universe. You have sanctified us by your word and commanded us to keep this day holy. You have called us to Yeshua, the light of the world. We pray and ask God's blessing and guidance during this dedicated time. Then we Eat a Sabbath meal at the table in the dining room, okay? Versus the family room where we generally eat dinner watching TV. For dinner, we pour, and I started to bring it, we pour a glass of sparkling juice. No wine, okay? You got that? No wine. <laughs> I'm saying that to Matt because we're, we're as EG ministers, we're teetotalers. <laughs> um, so we, we pour a glass of sparkling just in our two fluted, hand-blown crystal goblets. Just tastes better out of those crystal goblets. Either before or after dinner, we pray for our family, especially our children. This is often a, a more extended time of prayer for our family beyond what we normally do during the week. Now, if you have children at home, consider laying your hands on them. Pray for them. Bless them with words of love and affirmation. After dinner, Roberta and I, she'll gently sit at the piano and I'll sing. We sing, you know, some worship songs and some music from the past that most of you wouldn't know. <laughs> from there, we sit quietly. We read. We ready ourselves for bed. We prepare for Sunday worship. Now, this time you might pray for your pastor. Pray for your worship team. Pray for your children's ministers, for Bill. Jan, do you all know how much you ought to appreciate Jan? Let me tell you what. Of, now, Sunday morning, time of worship, fellowship with God's people. Then you have Sunday afternoon, which we're trying to make it a time for resting. 
be a time for walking, enjoying each other's company, enjoying God's creation. Can't wait for spring to break so we can love Norfolk Botanical Gardens. One thing we look forward to is preparing a Sunday meal on Saturday and inviting some guests to share the Sabbath meal. Now, this may sound boring to some people, but remember, it takes time to acclimate to quiet. It takes time to acclimate to rest and not doing work. And I'm still in the acclimation phase. Remember, the Sabbath day is a holy day. Do things that honor God and that will bless your family and others. The goal is not to replace one set of activities with another. It is to rest, relax, worship, and celebrate. Spend time with your spouse. Spend time with your children. Ask God for wisdom to do things, say things, or ask questions that will open their heart toward you and God. Then what do you do as a parent? Listen, 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 and listen some more. Play games. Ask God for creativity to do something that maybe your kids have not anticipated. The Sabbath is to be life-giving, not legalistic. Let me say that again. Life-giving, not legalistic. Be a delight, not a drudgery. There's some other suggestions. You know, take a walk in the park, read the Bible, chat with them. I just won't. But in conclusion, let me just quote um, John Comer. To begin a Sabbath, just set aside a day. Clear your schedule. Turn off your phone. Say a prayer to invite the Holy Spirit to pastor you into his presence. And then rest and worship. And I might add, take delight in whatever way is life-giving to your soul. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Let's pray. Father, we want to slow ourselves down. We want to be aware of your presence. And we want to always honor you. So I pray, Lord, you would speak to us. And you would help us to learn how to get a, dedicate time to slow down, to rest, to be in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.